Today we're going to talk about, and the truth of today is this, uh, something that we get mixed up on sometimes, sometimes that's uh, poorly taught and applied, but the truth of today is this in our men's lunch. You can do nothing to be saved, but if you are saved, there is something to do. And, and be sure and hear that again, not get it mixed up this morning. Uh, to do, You do nothing to be saved, but if you are saved, there are some things and there is something to do. Now be sure you understand that we're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Not because you did something, not because you do something, not because there's a list of rules that you have to keep uh, to impress God, not because you ever got good enough. Sometimes people act like, well, if you'll get good enough, then, then God will, will, will send you your salvation. Uh, you do nothing, absolutely nothing to be saved. You're saved by God's grace through Jesus Christ. You put your faith in Him. It's not because you went to church for 10 years, because you carry a big Bible around, not because you kept a list of rules. You're saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. So be sure and hear that. You're saved when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you the other truth is this, and sometimes we're not hearing it very much. However, if you are saved, there are changes that occur. There are things to do if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we've left it, you know what? Put your faith in Christ and you're saved and, and you're going to heaven and that's the finish line. We want to leave it there. I want to tell you, as a Christian, that's our starting place. That's where we start when we put our faith in Christ. So be sure and understand, you do nothing to be saved, but if you are saved, there are some things to do. That's the truth we're going to look at today in our verses. We're in 1 Peter we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 Peter. Today we're going to start in verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says this. I'm going to read verse 10 and 11 together. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories of to follow. Now, think about this for a second. Verse 9, it ends by saying, Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. You know what? By your faith, you're saved. And then verse 10 starts off and it says, As to this salvation. You're saved by your faith in Christ. But then verse 10 says, Let's talk about this salvation. Now, a pretty deep thing it shows us here. Get this today. The prophets of old, and that's what it's talking about. These Old Testament prophets, they were making careful searches. They were looking, they were seeking to know when Christ was going to come, when the Messiah was going to be revealed. Now think about that for just a second. Here are these prophets, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, Ezekiel, Amos, the farmer prophet, Micah, Nahum, all these different prophets. Here are these prophets, and they are speaking God's word foretelling of the coming of the Christ, of the Messiah, God's salvation. So here are these prophets, all of these guys, and they're talking about the coming of Christ. But as they do that, they are wondering, is this the time when he'll come? Surely things are so messed up now, and our world's so messed up. Surely this is when Christ will come. And Isaiah says, it's so messed up now, oh, that God would tear the heavens open and that he would come down and be our salvation. All of these guys, they're talking about the coming Christ, but they're looking at Scripture, and they're looking at God's Word, and they're trying to line it up and figure out, when is He coming? Could this be Him? 
Is this him? Is this the day that he will come? Look at verse 12. Listen to verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which have now been announced to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. In verse 12, it tells us that God shows them uh, they are not serving themselves, but rather they are serving us, those who would, would, would find Jesus Christ, who would know Jesus Christ. They're serving a cause that's not their own cause. They are preaching and proclaiming a message that really wasn't for their ears to hear. Uh, it was for us, through the Holy Spirit, would hear the good news of Jesus Christ. In the book of Hebrew, it says that these people, they live by faith, and they died in their faith, never having the fulfilled promise of Jesus Christ. Now think about that. Live their whole life knowing there's a hope that's coming. There's a peace that's coming. God's salvation is coming. And they die in that faith, never having realized the promise of Jesus Christ. Our day, we know Jesus Christ. We know our Savior. The Bible's telling us here, these guys, they longed to know the day and the revelation of Jesus Christ. The verse ends and says, even the angels were curious. Even the angels would have liked to have seen God's plan unfold through the realization of Jesus Christ. But again, we know our Savior, Jesus Christ. We do not have to do anything to be saved, but if we are saved, there's some things that we do. Listen to verse 13. Therefore, so it talks about our salvation, 10 and 11 and 12. And then verse 13, therefore, what do we do because of this salvation? Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because we put our faith in Jesus Christ, these are some things that we do. First thing it says, prepare your minds for action. Understand, we have an active faith. We have a moving faith. We have a doing faith. We weren't saved to go sit somewhere and take up our own cause. We have an active faith. Well, the first thing, we prepare our minds for action. Basically means this, we get ready. We stay ready for action. Second thing it says we do, we keep sober in spirit. That means we have a serious focus. You know what? God's called us to do something. He's given us a, a reason and a purpose uh, we're to tell people about Christ. We're to lead people to Christ. Uh, we're, we're to grow as disciples. And we have to keep serious in our focus. I wonder how many of us get distracted, get concerned with life, get pulled away into some other focus. You know what? He says, because of your great salvation, keep sober in spirit. Keep serious in focus. And then it says this, and it's, it's pretty interesting. These people are being persecuted. Man, they're, they're having a tough time for their faith in Christ. And he says, you know what? Be ready for action. Keep a serious focus. But he also says this. Fix your hope on the grace to be revealed to you, to be brought to you when Jesus comes again. Now what that means is this. We as Christians are to be eternity-minded. As Christians, we're to put our eyes and we're to put our focus on eternity. We're to put our hope in what we have in eternity. Anything short of eternity, a hope placed there will fail. Now what that means is this. There's going to be a day when Jesus comes again 
And on that day, the Bible says we're going to be with him and we're forever going to be with him. We're going to be his people. Our hope is on that day and those days on that side. If your hope is on this side of that, if your hope's in your job, if your hope is in your relationship, if your hope is in your retirement, if your hope is in your health, those things fail. As Christians, we fix our hope in Jesus Christ and the eternity that we have with him. We are to have an eternal focus as followers of Jesus Christ. I was thinking about our lives. Things are tough. And sometimes they get tougher. Sometimes we think, well, it's getting better, and all of a sudden something else happens, and it seems pretty tough. And you look through the course of history, life's pretty tough. And then think about the songs that we sing as Christians. Think about the the songs that we choose to sing going through tough times. And And I was just thinking about some today. Victory in Jesus. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. I wish I could sing. I can't sing. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. By and by, when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home. Another song. How about this one? When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is caught up yonder, I'll be there. As Christians, our hope is in eternity through Jesus Christ. He says, you know what? Fix your hope there on the grace to be revealed in the coming of Jesus Christ. We ought to let that shape our perspectives. We ought to let that shape what we think. I'm going to tell you something. Life is a lot better and life is a lot more endurable when you have your eyes on eternity. You know what? There's a day when there'll be no more weeping and wailing. There'll be a day where there's no more sin and sorrow and grief. And we'll be with our Savior, Jesus Christ. So he says here, you know what? In light of your great salvation, keep your eyes fixed on eternity. Verses 14 through 16. I'm going to read them together. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. When you just acted like a knucklehead. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy because I am holy. What those verses mean is this. Because of our salvation, because of God's grace shown to us through Jesus Christ, because we are forgiven of our sin, because we're redeemed from the curse of death, we are to be holy. That's what it says. We do nothing to be saved. You know what? If we're saved, there's something for us to do. And the Bible tells us what we're to do is we're to be holy as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, let me explain a couple things here. When I hear holy, uh, I think of some church word. Holy. Uh, well, you be holy. Or that, that's a holy guy. Or that's a, that's a holy place. When I hear the word holy, I think well, that's, that's some unattainable standard. I'm anything but holy. God knows my heart and he knows my actions. And you know what? That guy over there, those people over there, they might be holy, but, but there's no way I'm going to be holy. And it's, it's some unattainable standard that a person would be holy. Well, you know what the word holy actually means is? The word holy means set aside. Simple as that. Set aside. Or it means different. Uh, you're to be different. 
not some church word that you can't uh, attain. As a Christian, you're to be different. You're to be set aside from everybody else. Very simply, as followers of Jesus Christ, because of our great salvation, we are to be different. We're to look different. We're to act different. We're to talk differently. We're to respond differently. As followers of Jesus Christ, that's what it's saying. We are to be set aside from everybody else. We are to be different. Problem is, we are in a culture that pushes everybody to be the same. You ever notice that? From the time we're a little tiny kid, our culture pushes everybody to fit in, to be the same, to be acceptable. Our culture pushes everybody to conform. That's why in the 70s, people had those giant pork chop sideburns. The only reason you'd wear something like that is to try to fit in. Uh, that's why in the 80s, people went around wearing plastic parachute pants. Uh, the only reason you'd wear those is you were trying to fit in somewhere. Our culture tries, don't laugh, I didn't wear those things. <laughs> My brother did, I didn't have any of those. The culture wants you to fit in. The culture wants you to be accepted. The culture wants you to conform. But God says of his people, because of our great salvation, so great that the prophets would have loved to have even seen it, that the angels wanted to peer into it, because of our salvation, we as God's people, we are to stand out. Let me tell you this. The greatest thing that could come out of this men's lunch Greatest thing that could come out of this men's lunch in our homes and in our churches and in our lives, and it's going to come from the receiving and the applying of God's word, but the greatest thing that could come from our men's lunch is that there would be men who would say, you know what, I'm not concerned with what is politically correct, and I'm not impressed by what the culture promises, but I stand as a grown man and I'm sold out to the cause of Jesus Christ. And how I treat my wife and how I raise my kids and the home that I'm going to establish and how I work when I'm at my job and the business that I do, how I talk to people, how I respond to people will be in the example of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And because of my great salvation, I will not be the same. Let me tell you, the greatest thing that could happen for your wife is the man that came home tonight would be the man of God instead of man of the world. Greatest thing that could happen in the life of your kids is that their father would come home and he wouldn't look like the cruddy world exists in, but he would be a father that would point to our eternal father. Greatest thing that could happen in our churches, people want to know what's going on in the church and, and why is the church looking the way the church looks. The greatest thing that could happen in our churches is that there would be men so shaped by the word of God that they would stand as a beacon in a sorry and dark world and they would serve the mission of Jesus Christ. Very simply, let us be holy as he is holy. We do not do anything to be saved. But if you are saved, we have something to do. Let us stand out. Let us be holy as he is holy. Glad you're here today. Pray that God spoke to you. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. I want to encourage you. Be back next Thursday. Bring somebody with you. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, we're thankful for you. We're thankful that you didn't write us off. We weren't too sorry that you lost track of us, but you love us and you forgive us through Christ, not because we're good enough, not because we got good enough, but because we put our faith in Christ, we're forgiven, we're redeemed, we're saved. But we also know that you, for your people, call us to step out 
and to stand up when everybody else wants to sit down and to go against the flow. And you call us to be different. And we have a different priority set. We have a different focus. I pray that 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 focus would be so entwined in your truth and your word and, and the character of your son that our homes would look different and our relationships would look differently and our churches would look differently. And we would stand as a people of God instead of a people mixed and married to this world. We tell you today, help us in that. Forgive us where we mess that up. Forgive us where we get off track. Help us to look like you. We come today and we just tell you we're thankful for you. We praise you and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.